You're listening to Extra Takes, hosted by Northland Church lead pastor, Dr. Joshua Laxton. Tune in each week as Pastor Josh reveals the rest of the story behind his sermons. We'll discuss how those who follow Christ can live out a biblical vision for the church in the world today. Hello, Northland family and friends. Welcome to another episode of Extra Takes. I'm here with uh, co-host, Pastor Josh Laxton, and I'm subbing in. I'm Joe Curtis, subbing in for Matt Childs. Matt Childs is on assignment. He's on assignment. I always wanted to say that. Yeah, I don't know if he really— Lauren, Did Lauren snap her fingers and he disappeared? <laughs> he disappeared. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you are not present— or engaged online this past week because it was a cute little and again there I said it again it was a cute little announcement video that Rob and his team did and so but but yeah so she snapped her fingers Pastor Marsh appeared disappeared and so yeah <laughs> so maybe Matt disappeared maybe Matt oh. disappeared <laughs> Lauren seems to have that power she has that power just to snap her fingers and disappear she must be like Raymond Reddington exactly. no that's blacklist For those of you who do not know do I'm not? catching up I'm on season nine. Are you? I've got to yeah. catch that series. I, it's on my list, and I haven't watched haven't it yet. Watched, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've been watching it since the very beginning, and, yeah, so. Wonderful. Good. So, peace be, uh, Northland Joe Curtis. Again, Matt is, should be just fine. He was responding to texts earlier, so <laughs> I know he's around somewhere. But thank you for letting me sit in. We are uh, here uh, for April 2nd and 3rd in the Empowered series. The theme was When God Gets in Our Way, which was really, really powerful, yeah. you know. And we were in Acts 10. We kind of went all over in Acts 10 because it was a— It was a lengthy passage. Yes. Yeah. We broke out the main points, and we even leaked over into Acts 11 yeah. to prove some points. So yep. let's go in. Main point we have, we never have the right— to get in God's way, but he should always have the right to get in our way. And you broke it down really nice onto the why, how, and what happens. So the why, why does God get in our way? Because something is wrong with our faith. And the broken down elements of faith, and we'll get into that shortly, worldview, our picture of the world, mission, our purpose of life, center the person slash thing that our faith is in, ethics, pattern of behavior, and maturity, practices of faith. And then the how does God get in our way? He gives us visions, and he anchors it in the gospel. And I think that's very key of making sure that vision is anchored in God. Because he gives us, you even mentioned about giving us alternate visions to be saved or to be sanctified. Again, I'm just throwing teasers out there right now. And then what happens when we uh, let God get in the way? The Holy Spirit goes to work. And when he goes to work, mission happens. And then the teaser at the very end, I'm not even going to say it, is the principle. The principle. That's yeah, going to be that, the yeah, that, yeah, I mean, that could have been the main point, yeah. but I wanted, to, I wanted to hold off on that one. Yeah. That's the very it. end. So. And I'm going to hold off on it at the very okay. end, too. All right. All right. <laughs> Good. Perfect. So first, you weren't the only one with a little teary eye yeah. at the service. So I I state I say this as a question form, but this is a statement. Yeah. How powerful is it to have the children in worship? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, 
as I said it at the 11 o'clock, I mean, you have, and I don't even, and this is why when children teach us or lead us, there's an innocence about about it where they don't know the depths of really what they're singing, but they're reminding us adults that we do have every reason, right, to, to praise him in every season. And so so that's what I got really teary-eyed about it. You, you know, here, here's a group of, of, of children that are leading us into truth that in an innocent way, they have not fully experienced it, but but they are reminding us, mm. their parents and adults, that hey, listen, don't don't complain, because you have every reason to praise him. Mm. So, yes. so I did, I, yeah, and it was great. It was great, and then I loved the dancing. Uh, yes, I, yeah, that was a really good addition. Yeah, I like that too. Yes, yeah. that's good. Um, so, since I was on the trip with you, and I was involved in the experience in France, and you brought up France. <laughs> hey, I don't want to hear why I did bring up France, but on the way, if if I'm not mistaken, on the way back, somebody lost their phone in security. <laughs> in I'm France, to, too. I'm to, yeah, I'm trying to think who that was. Oh, I don't know. It, I don't know. No, we don't you, know. It was you. Like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? And, so, and it was actually <laughs> under stacked underneath the crate. So That was pretty funny. Please make sure your phone is with all of your belongings. Yeah, yeah. But it was just more of while you were in France, did you have a flashback while you were there getting your dessert? <laughs> I didn't know. I, you know, it's funny. I did not have a flashback. You know, that's that's how I fall into a dessert trance. So I all I saw was the picture of the beignet and I'm like, I gotta have that. I have to have that beignet. So all I could think about was the beignet. And so I didn't think about the woman who disposed of my toothpaste and my hair gel. So. And not even disposed, just dumped everything out. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the weirdest thing. <laughs> okay. like, you know. Sorry, we digress. Like she didn't have a beignet that morning. <laughs> no. She was really upset. She was so, upset. Yeah. Sorry, we digress. So, <laughs> so uh, speaking on uh, the five elements for the two main people in this passage. Yeah. Cornelius. So his worldview, thumbs up. His mission, thumbs down. His center, thumbs down. His ethics and maturity, thumbs up. And then for Peter, we have worldview and mission, thumbs up. His center, definitely thumbs up. And then his ethics and maturity, thumbs down. And Taking a look at that as a whole, and instead of just the individual, which you you broke down really nicely, but kind of recap the differences between that breakdown and bringing in why we need to see that the differences between the two people. Yeah, a couple. Well, I mean, a couple of things. I really struggled uh, how I would communicate Cornelius in the sense of ethics and maturity. Mm-hmm. Because, I, I mean, I could have went either way. I could have gave a thumbs up or even thumbs down. But in terms of what his faith was in, I did feel like he was consistent with his ethics and his maturity. So that, that's so that's but when but when he when he would make the shift and he would be converted and he would be saved, then then you have to judge him completely differently on, on ethics and maturity. Does that I mean yes. does that make sense? Yes. 
Another thing that I did not mention, but it was on the graph, is that the, the top two quadrants of worldview and mission, those are the beliefs, okay? And then mm-hmm. the last two quadrants of ethics and maturity, those are the behaviors. And the center actually is both because mm-hmm. your center is not only your belief, but also how you are going to pattern your ethics and practice your faith. So your center, and that's why I put the center in the center, it is a combination of belief and practice. And so, because whatever your center is, or whoever your center is, is not only the belief, but also the pattern of your behavior and your practices of your faith. So, so, so I didn't, re, you know, I didn't, uh, didn't take the time to flesh that out. But I think that's really important to understand that beliefs determine behavior, and the center actually is the the the. The cross between, mm-hmm. uh, pardon the pun, yes, you know, with Jesus. So, um, yes. but yeah. So going back to like the cor- connection, it is. It's the yeah, connection. Yeah. It's what fuses the two together. And, and the other thing that you know, again, I did, just didn't have the time to explain. But but as uh, you know, outside of Christianity, when you look at people's faith, and this is part of Cornelius, right? Mm-hmm. Is that you know he was at least being consistent with his ethics and his practices of what he believed, what he had put his confidence in and his trust in, although he needed you know although he needed to be saved because apart from Jesus we aren't saved, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at other people in the world outside of Christianity and you know just take our cultural context, what this also what, what this map kind of does, this uh, framework does, it, it helps us to see the consistency or the inconsistency of people's faith. So when you determine what your faith is in, you know, and you start looking at your worldview, because an element of our cultural context is a syncretistic faith Mm -hmm. uh, or a syncretistic worldview. So some people will take in naturalism, which, again, has science, but then some people will, will also combine that with, you know, Theist, you know, kind of uh, theism, where they, they, in some sense, believe that there's a God, um, you, you know, out there, but they'll combine these faiths. Well, when you when you start combining worldviews, then you start seeing I- inconsistencies in ethics. Mm-hmm. You'll start seeing inconsistencies in practices b- because you're just picking and choosing. It's like this worldview buffet, and so mm-hmm. I'll I'll take a little bit of pantheism. I'll take a little bit of postmodernism. I'll take a little bit of you know biblical theism. Ism, and then you'll, and then you are just all over the map. That that's that's kind of what we're seeing, particularly in North America right now, is that there there's just a buffet of worldviews that people, just individuals, have at least adopted in their life, and so that's why they're all over the map. Mm-hmm. Like there's no consistency. But but when it comes to the Christian faith, when you start aligning with with the Bible. And what the Bible is pointing to of who your faith should be in, which is the center, mm-hmm. then everything, your ethics, your practices, your mission will be completely aligned with, with Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which allows us to be more consistent as we're conformed more into his image. So I don't I mean, does that, does that help make yes, sense? Yeah. That, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And bringing on that, the view of, 
I think because I had a conversation, several conversations afterwards uh, with people in the foyer, yeah. uh, which is almost done, by the way. Plug, very <laughs> looking very good. The yeah. towel is amazing. Everyone loves the yeah. towel yeah. Uh, and the paint. But the it really laid out the difference between kind of the why the why God's getting in the way. Yeah. Yeah. To be saved. Yeah. To be sanctified. Yeah. And someone even came to me and said, this was kind of like a gut check. Yeah. Of where I am. And a lot of people don't take accountability or take a step back. And that's really hard because I've been through several of the processes of stuff and taking a step back to say where I am. Right. And being honest of where I am. Yeah, exactly. Well, because and, and with Cornelius, one of the fascinating parts about Cornelius is he's a little, well, he's different than Saul of Tarsus, who in chapter 9, God has to knock him down <laughs> in order to get his attention. So he gets in his way by knocking him down because Saul just, he, he was zealous. Uh, he thought he had, he had arrived. And God's like, uh, you haven't. Cornelius, he has this posture that he hasn't arrived, that he is searching and he's still seeking. And so that's why God gets in his way in this in this vision sense of go get Peter. He needs to tell you this one last step that you need, basically. Mm. So Cornelius, he at least embodies a posture of openness to to see what has he, you know, what what, what have I missed? Saul hasn't. So that's where, like, when and, and but they both are two men that needed to be saved. One's closed, God knocks down. One's open, God gives him a dream and says, "Go get Peter," and Peter's going to come and tell you the gospel, right? Wow. So, and I think that is a gut check for people because both of them were very spiritual, religious men who had all of the ethics, all of even the practices of of their faith of. Now, again, Paul's this devout Jew who is fully, I mean, he's he's a Jew. Cornelius, he was following Judaism while still being a Gentile, and uh, even though he didn't get circumcised. Because if he would have got circumcised, he would have been called a proselyte, mm-hmm. which then he would have fully converted. Uh, but he was this God-fearing Gentile who was following in the practices of Judaism. So, again, they're both devout, but they're both unsaved. Right. So you, you can be very devout to even Christianity. Uh, you can read God's word. You can even pray. You can give to the church. You can give to the poor. Uh, you can even serve. You can, you can do all of these things. But if, if you are relying on all of those things to save you, then you need to be saved. Mm-hmm. Because the only thing that saves, and this is why... I, Peter comes on the scene and preaches the gospel. The only thing that saves is believing in Jesus' finished work. And his finished work is what he did on the cross, which is why we got Resurrection Sunday coming up. And so it's why I call it Resurrection Party, because we can celebrate the fact that we didn't have to work our way to God, but God worked his way down to us. And through the death and the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection, he has made us new. And so, and that's why he needs to be the center of our, of our faith. So, so Cornelius converted from the center being him 
and, and the mission being I need to work my way to God, to now I need to trust in Jesus. He's my center, and I need to actually be on the mission to which he came, which is a fulfillment of the promise God made to Adam that I will reverse the curse of sin. Uh, so there will be enmity between Eve and the serpent and that the offspring of Eve would crush the head of the serpent. So that's Genesis 3.15. Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Right. Also, Jesus is the fulfill- fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed, which is why now Cornelius is the Gentile. So so if you think about it also this way, because I, I, we talked about the previous week how... God sent Philip to the Samaritan mm-hmm. or to the Samaritans and then even the Ethiopian eunuch to the othermost parts of the world. But we don't see the spirit fall on the Ethiopian eunuch. Just you know, it just, we actually saw the spirit fall on the Samaritans. Right, right away. But yes. it's but it's Acts 10 where the spirit falls uh, on the Gentiles. So what we have here is now the ultimate progression of what of what Acts 1 8, where Jesus talked about, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So yes, while the Ethiopian eunuch was considered the uttermost parts of the world and he was saved, what you have in Acts 10 is the is the is the climactic Wow. Work of God now working among the Gentiles because the Spirit fall falls and they start speaking in tongues. Mm. Now again, what what happened when the Spirit fell in Acts two? Well, the Jews started to speak in tongues, yeah. which they were known languages. But but it's not like Peter, you, you know, had gone to language school to learn what he was doing. <laughs> so the Spirit falls. Yeah. And it's a reversal of Babel. So in Genesis 11, <laughs> yeah. God confused their language because of their pride. And so they started speaking in tongues and other languages. But because of what Jesus did, and now the Spirit falling, now there's the reversal of Babel. So when Jews, who were filled with the Spirit in Acts 2, they began to speak in tongues, there's there's now the sign of how in Jesus, God is redeeming a people from all peoples. And so when the Spirit falls on the Gentiles and they start speaking in tongues, it's now this confirmation that God truly in Jesus Christ is redeeming a people from all peoples. And that's the reason why Peter says to all of his Jewish friends in Acts 11, listen, uh, the spirit fell. They began to speak in tongues. Who are we to get in the way? Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. The spirit felt like he yeah. just came back and said, look, wh- what can I do? This is what God did. How am I going to stop this? Yeah. And don't get in his way. <laughs> don't get in his way. Yeah. Exactly. Beautiful. I, I like that. That's yeah. really good. Um, so that happened and and. That was one of the distinctions we were talking about. Saved, the difference between saved, sanctified. Yeah. And people taking a a self-evaluation of themselves. Mm. And then going on the sanctified or even part of the saved. There's people that don't maybe not realizing that Jesus is not in the center of their life. Because here's the – Jesus did not die and – he did not rise from the dead for for him to be part of your life. He died and rose from the dead for him to be the center of your life. Mm-hmm. So it's not me plus God. 
it's God. Yes. It, or, you know, me plus Jesus. I'm using those synonymously, interchangeably. It, it's Jesus. Not yeah. Jesus and me. No, Jesus. Yes. Uh, he is the center, not on the periphery. And so that that's something, and that that's what saves somebody. But then, yeah, the the diagnostics of sanctification, because that's, again, that's where I, I I debated on whether to put the thumbs up with Cornelius and, mm. and his ethics and and his practices. But with Peter, he's saved. He has the right center. He has the right worldview, right mission, right center. But his ethics and his practices are a little off. They have not fully aligned with the center of his faith. Mm -hmm. And so obviously he struggled with reaching out to Gentiles based upon the laws of, of Judaism, which also affected the practices of his faith, of evangelism. And so and, – and again, the – the struggle that Peter had, it actually didn't go away because you you actually read of his struggle in Galatians 2. Yeah. So Paul's writing in Galatians, and he's actually sharing a story for how Peter came to where Paul was, and he's hanging out with Gentiles, and he's eating ribs. He's at Four Rivers Barbecue and, <laughs> and having the greatest time eating some brisket. I mean, he is in hog heaven, uh, not pardon the pun. Not, and then Jews from Jerusalem come, and Peter starts to back away from Gentiles, and, and actually Paul confronts him. And gets in his way and says, Peter, you, we can't do this, man. We we can't live like the gospel. And then when something like this happens, we don't live like the gospel. Like, right. we need to be consistent. And so, so Peter struggled in that regard. And so that's part of where when we look at running diagnostics in our own life, and when you break down ethics, that's why I hope that people really paid attention to even the breakdown of ethics. Is And just so just, – just to give people – an idea of where that came from, where I broke down mm -hmm. ethics. Yes, yeah. It actually goes back to Genesis, <laughs> and I'm laughing. Surprise! Yeah, surprise. <laughs> and it goes back because because first, personal. Like so, just as uh, just as an individual human being, we have personal ethics of what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad. But then you start looking at the idea of being fruitful and multiply. Then there's this relational ethic mm -hmm. to to how I engage the other and and just fill in the blank of who that other might be. It might be a spouse. It might be a child. It might be a friend. It might be a neighbor. It might be, you know, you just let out the progression of just relationally, how does these ethics, how does my pattern behavior, what what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. And then vocationally. So, the Bible says, subdue the earth. So, I'm going to mm -hmm. take the raw materials and I'm going to make something of the world. And so that the idea of making something of the world is this idea of vocational call. And so so that's where you get business ethics. That's where you get, you know, even later on medical ethics and uh, all of the other kind of breakdown of, of vocational ethics of w what does it mean to work? How do we work? Uh, who do we work for? All, all of that stuff, right? And so <laughs> – if it, and if you are the center of that business ethic, get, you're not going to have a consistent business ethic. 
It's actually going to be all over the map if you are the center. Mm-hmm. But if God is the center of why you work, how you work, what what are you trying to accomplish in your work, it actually is going to be pretty consistent. But then the last is the cultural ethic because when you take personal, relational, vocational, and cultural. like So So this is one of the things that I love to, to say about when you cultivate the raw materials, mm-hmm. it leads to culture, which leads to civilization. Okay. Okay. So it, when I cultivate, mm-hmm. it leads to culture. Yeah. And then once I start getting a culture of beliefs and values and artifacts and things that I'm creating, it ultimately leads to civilization. Right. So 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 take all of those ideas, you know, those all of those elements of just ethics, then what you ultimately are doing is building a civilization mm. on the patterns of how I behave personally, relationally, vocationally. And culturally. And so that's why, like, when, you know, and I use two examples too of cultural ethics, even in our day, just because our culture says it's okay to abort a, a right. child yes. in the womb, Those does are. that really make it right? Because again, what, what, where did these laws come from? Where did these cultural values and laws come from? They came from what I feel. What I feel should be right, because they're not based upon any, you know, any documentation other than right. what I feel, and right. so we, so, so as a culture, we have conjured up, you know, these laws, these cultural now ethics, in, in order to, to 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 satisfy what center, <laughs> right? Right. So, so that's why. So the, the, again, so as believers. We need to make sure that all of our ethics are patterned around the ethics of God. And then these practices of faith, those are things that you do that make you more consistent and more complete in the faith that you have. Right. And so, and and Peter, like I said, he he was falling off the wagon when it came to evangelism. Right. Yeah. And you you said it, a feeling. When that, a feelings change. And they could change like that. They could change in a year. They could change in months. It, they just change, and that's where you get your inconsistency. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, so think think about it. You know, here here's another good example of just culturally, right? Now, when you look back at the inception of America, there's this idea that all men are created equal, but then when you start looking at how they treated people of other races, mm-hmm. and Women, gender, mm-hmm. like th- there was an inconsistency, and, and so therefore, like they they were not a really truly and again aligned, and so but again, a Christian ethics and practices would would lend itself to say uh, there is human dignity with all ethnicity, you know, ethnicities, mm-hmm. all races, and. Both men and women. Yes. So, um, I mean, so that just shows like there's there's inconsistencies in other faiths, and that's what we and we we could even get down into the 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 depths of, you know, America is not a Christian nation; it's a pluralistic nation built upon Christian values, which shows the inconsistency even there, because when you have pluralism as the faith. Mm-hmm. There's going to be all of these inconsistencies. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that yeah. is true. Oh, yeah. Good. And we could go on a well, well, yeah, we'll we could go on a tangent. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No worries. So one of the uh, someone asked me, and I think it was a rhetorical question, but just someone asked me, how do you answer the question? Where do you need God to get in your way? And this would pro- this would be more to a Christian that's saved. Because this is more of coming from the Peter side, and Peter didn't see it. So where today, someone that was just walking in the the foyer, give an example of something like that to where God could get in their way. Yeah. I didn't say this. I mean, I had it in my notes, um, but I, 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 I feel like I'd hit it, but this may help bring a little clarity to this question. So when I wrote down this, here's how you can tell if you are letting God get in your way or if you are getting in God's way. Ask yourself this question, am I becoming more like Jesus or less like Jesus? And so, and, and again, this is why I think the breakdown of ethics is really important. Um, and again, so so think about these five elements of faith as being faith in slow motion. Like they're not separate entities, like in the sense of, like they're independent of one another, they they come they are compiled together to form what faith is. So it's just a breakdown of faith. So faith is the entity. These are the elements that comprise the entity. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, yeah. So like that's when you when you ask yourself, am I becoming more like Jesus or less like Jesus? So so then I have to. If Jesus is my center, then my practices of faith, like reading, learning, going to corporate worship, it's going to inform who I believe Jesus is and, and and really what my life should look like, which then informs my ethics. Mm-hmm. And so that's why when you when you ask this question, where do you need God get in to get in your way? All right, start with personally. Like <laughs> am I am I a person that that's honest? Do, am I am I a person that lets my yes be yes and my no be no? Uh, am am I a person of of integrity? You know, am I the same person in public as I am in private? Hmm. You know, because again, you know, Jesus isn't two different people. Like, you know, he's not one way in the public and one way in private, right? And so, am I someone who is seeking the Lord? Right? Am I someone who is asking the Lord in my prayer time? Will you reveal? You know, so because uh, if you're not doing that. You're probably not going to be more like Jesus, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's personal. Then you go to relational. Yeah. Am I loving my wife as Christ loved the church? And am I leading my kids more towards Jesus or away from him? And you can be doing that through how you model time in the Word. Does, do your kids ever see you in the Word? Mm-hmm. Do you ever pray with your kids? Um, do you ever come back to them and go, you know what? I was wrong there. I, I, I did not act like Jesus. Because, again, what you're trying to do relationally is model and engage them in a, in a manner that Jesus would, right? Mm-hmm. So I, you know, are you loving to your neighbor? Like I'll give you a for instance in my neighborhood, my subdivision. I feel like we have been targeted. <laughs> we, we, we've been targeted because something's wrong with our sidewalk or something, you know, or we're blocking the sidewalk. What, what, what? And, and there's a part of me that I, I just want to kind of get, get a, a, a little bit frustrated because I see other people and, and their house doing exactly what we're doing. I'm like, are they targeting them? But at the end of the day, 
am I going to respond in the manner of Jesus and go, you know what, this this is in the bylaws, and so regardless of what my neighbor does, I have the response. I, I can only be responsible for how I respond, mm-hmm. and am I responding in the manner of Jesus in just my subdivision, right? Right. Or am I going to complain and you know raise a fuss because you know now. Sure, I could ask, hey, are, are we doing next time that the HOA has a meeting? I can go and in a very kind way and polite way go, are we just being consistent here with this? Because I see some of these things. But but still, if this is what the HOA says that I need to do, and they say from a handwritten – or not a handwritten, but a, but a note. Note saying that you're Yeah, then I, I need to – Ethically, relationally, this is how, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just go down the line. Am I looking more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Am I, you know, in my relational ethic of, of, of sexual ethics, mm-hmm. am I becoming more like Jesus and what he has taught on this or less like right. Jesus and what he taught on this? So, I mean, so that that's where that that answer comes. Where do you need God to get in your way? It it really is. It's going to be formulated through your practices that inform your ethics. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important also that you were – frustration is a part of it at times. But you're not going to let the feeling take over because if the feeling takes over like we were talking about, then there's the inconsistency of it. Well, and it's frustration. I love that because, yes, yeah, sometimes you're going to be frustrated, but – I would add another, there will be pain mm. be, because you are going against, like Peter, he's going against what he had learned in his culture. From little. For, from from, from little. Exactly. Like this is yeah. not what we do. Mm-hmm. But in Jesus, this is what you do mm. because this is who I am, right? And so there is a, there is a pain of of transforming into who Jesus wants you to be. Mm-hmm. And, and so and sometimes you don't mind that pain because you know what it's producing. Sometimes you, you might mind it, but you know ultimately it's it's not only for your good, but it's for the glory of King Jesus. And so, so yeah, it's going to be frustrating at times, but it's also going to be painful at times because you are changing or transitioning into a new behavior, a new right. way of life. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. Love it. Yes. Very nice. Um, so you stated that uh, you stated that's what the gospel does. Yeah. It, it changes. Yeah. It 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 is it does imaginable things. It does unthinkable things. Well as I was going through this and preparing, I was connecting this back to last week because you even stated about the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit, when we let God get in the way, the Holy Spirit goes to work. And even as I was stating before, when he goes to work, mission happens. And I was sitting up there thinking, connecting it to last week, miracles happen. Yeah. And just the, could we actually relate that there of stating you know, not just mission, but actually miracles yeah. happen when the Holy Spirit goes. Well, to work. you could, you could, you could actually, you know, again, the when you go back to even the previous week, miracles are a mo 
of God to advance his mission in the world. Mm. So miracles are a subset of mission. mission. So if you even look at this passage where you have the reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles, that's a miracle because right. that did not happen. I mean, like, so particularly for Cornelius, he had at least a perspective that was built upon his faith that, that listen, I'll engage with Jews, but Jews not. So, so there was this barrier. Mm-hmm. But with the gospel, the gospel eliminates that barrier, which is a miracle in and of itself. That, that's why it was a big deal for Peter to spend the night. Yeah. <laughs> at Cornelius's house. Here he is. He's spending the night at Cornelius's house, and so, so yes, you know. So when the Spirit of God goes to work, mission happens, and part of mission happening is also miracles transpiring, and those miracles can, and you can also think about it this way: miracles could be a manifestation of mission happening, which is the reconciliation, or miracles can be a platform for mission to happen. So with the healing and you know with the healing of the sick which leads to the the faith mm. in Jesus. Mm. You know. So I mean so yeah, so miracles and mission they they do kind of go hand to hand, but that's where I would say mir- you know miracles are a subset of God's mission whether they are the platform that God uses to invite people into what he's doing or it is a manifestation of what he is doing. Right. And so. while you were talking, it just when someone is transformed, it's a miracle. Absolutely. And you know, yeah. we don't see it as in, oh, this, you know, as yeah. you know, someone walking from or you know, walking on water or brought back life that but when someone's life is transformed, it's a miracle right yeah. there. So, yeah. No, Ab- no yeah, time. absolutely. So I'm just going to make this statement because there was a lot of whoa and yes and applauding in the service I was in when you made this statement. And this is the tying up of the bow, the principle, because this statement alone, it was just very powerful. The more you let God get in your way, the more God's ways get into you. Yeah, I wanted to dance. <laughs> I can't dance. I have no rhythm. But yeah, I wanted to dance with that statement. It's it is. It's a powerful statement. Wow. That, Woo. That's and, what and, happened. That's, well, I think yeah, that's what I said. And, and you okay. could also say the reverse. Uh, the more you get in God's way, mm-hmm. the less God's ways get into you. Mm-hmm. So so if you constantly act as a barrier. And so think about some of those barriers. There's some, you know, some of those barriers. Again, for for believers, if you don't get into God's word, that can actually be a barrier. If you're not committed and to corporate worship and being under the the preaching and teaching of God's word, that can be a barrier. If you're not committed, now again, because all of these things are actually practices of the faith. So if you do not practice the faith you actually become the obstacle that gets in the way of God moving in and through you which then so i'm going to go i'm going i'm going to here's the here i'm going to follow the logic okay so if you constantly get in God's way and prevent God's ways from getting into you then you might want to rethink who the center 
of your life is. That's what I was thinking. Wow, exactly. I mean, so that's how faith works mm. because that's why James would say faith without works is dead. Yes. And that's why I always want to, you know, always want to just, you know, pull the red card and, you know, the red card would be what, you know, you would pull in soccer, soccer. or football, like Kick red card, like this is infraction. <laughs> when, when, when people in the world today go, don't, don't bring that faith in, into the public, you know, into the public square, the, like faith is supposed to be private. No, Mm-mm. your faith is not only private, but public. Because what you do in the privacy of developing and maturing your understanding and deepening your understanding of faith actually is fleshed out in the public. And so that's where like, no. And so that's where I would say, yeah, the more you let God get in your way, the more God's ways get into you. But the, but, but the reverse is true as well. And that that that's pretty profound too when yeah, you think is. about that. Yeah. Yes. So the more you get into God's, the more you get in God's way, the less God's ways get into you, which then might want to make you reconsider or at least go back to the drawing board. What's my faith in? Mm, that gut check again. It it is it it is that <laughs> that gut check, and so I it, it. yeah. Woo, that's good. That yeah. is good, and that just brought me back to the. Word flourishing. Yeah. When God's ways get into you, yeah, you kind of understand and you crave and you want that flourishing. Yeah. Well, because you think about it, and I, and I wrote this down in my, my notes, and I did say some of them, but when you let God get in your way and therefore his ways become more in integrated into your life, you will have a deeper joy, you'll have deeper love, deeper purity, you'll have a, a more robust prayer life, you'll want to be committed to learning, uh, you'll be committed to confession, mm-hmm. you'll you'll be even more drawn to the unity that we need to possess as as God's people, you'll want to share what God's doing, who God is, You'll you'll break out into praise, <laughs> like you. I mean, there, there will just be. I just want to. I want to praise him. Mm-hmm. You'll have this hospitality. You'll have a deeper sense of how to welcome people not like me. You'll also have this deeper understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is, which then drives you more into him. And then you'll be more generous. <laughs> you'll want to serve more. You you. I mean, like so. It just like. That's what happens. I mean, that's what happens. And so that's where, like, if if you can say, and th- th- this is the year-over-year element to growing in our faith, and, and just ask, am I a more generous person in 2023 than I was in 2022? Hmm. Am I more committed to the people of God in 2023 than I was in 2022? Hmm. And, 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 you know, I mean, because the more you let, because we know God wants to get in our way. Like he wants to get in our grill, not not in a mean-spirited way, but in a loving way. Like this is who I am, so therefore this is who I want you to be. Mm-hmm. And so when we let him do that, we then let him shape our life. Hmm. And so is your life becoming more like Jesus or less like him. 
Love it. That so, is wonderful. Yeah. Cool. Uh, we do last uh, close out, but uh, this program is sponsored by our Friday evening service. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, well, yeah, you talk about Good Friday or Good yes, Friday please. service. Uh, I, I have my at least a working draft of my notes for Good Friday. Yeah, teaser, and please. So here, here's the teaser. So Good Friday observes the time when God's goodness and glory operated within humanity's depravity and darkness to birth new creation. And so, I, so I'm going to exp- I'm going to flesh that one out of going. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you are in a period of your life, uh, and, and if you're not in one, you you will go into one because we will enter dark days. And so what we will look at is the darkest day and really the darkest week in the history of humanity. But it was it was then where we actually see God's goodness and glory operate within humanity's depravity and darkness to birth new creation. <laughs> and so we're going we're going we're going to unpack that uh for Good Friday so you don't want to miss that. And then that 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 contemplative service of Good Friday will then lead us into our resurrection party weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And so we actually have four gatherings that people can come to. It could be Saturday at, I think it's 5 p.m. Yes, it's uh, 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. on Saturday, Mm -hmm. and then also 9 and 11 on Sunday. And so it will, and uh, we actually start a new series for Easter because I always like to do that. Mm -hmm. It's just a four-week series, but the series is All Things New. Mm. So I know yeah. one thing, we all love new, but that new, the the idea of new can be seen in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. And so we will unpack how Jesus through his death and resurrection is truly making all things new. Wonderful. And then the last thing that we do want to mention is starting Friday, uh, a couple hours before service. Yep is the 24 hours of prayer. Yep. And we will have prayer time here at the church. Yep. Then there will be online prayer overnight. Yep. We have a missions team in Spain that will be getting involved yeah. early in the morning. It'll be uh, great. It'll be great there. And then we'll continue on and lead us right into yeah. our resurrection celebration. Yeah. And we here's the thing. Years ago, somebody I think taught me this statement, but we don't want to be a church that prays. We want to be a praying church. And so just this idea of a 24-hour prayer gathering that is not only in person but during the wee hours of the night online – just to show God we are committed to praying and, and bathing the entire Easter weekend in prayer. And so so this is an element of us really being a praying church because we've been praying for Easter for a while now. But to demonstrate that, man, we're going to take 24 hours. And we know that this kind of, I would say, prayer gathering isn't the most well-attended. But here's what we hope and pray is that as we do this, people will see the need for prayer rather than prayer being some tack on that we do as a church. All right. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Yeah. Well, so 
Northland family and friends, we are grateful for you. We are truly thankful for what the Lord is doing in our midst, and we cannot wait for Easter weekend in just a few days. So cannot wait to worship King Jesus with you on Resurrection Weekend. Blessings. Thanks for listening to Extra Takes. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts so you won't miss a single episode.